Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 27th of February 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and help yourself to the audios there. There's hundreds to choose from where once you're through with them, if you can get that far without going crazy, you understand the big system that runs the world and that the world does not evolve in any way, shape or form, in any path or direction by just itself. It literally is guided by big uh, foundations, big organizations, uh, big international groups that plan the future. They've always planned the future. We've had corporations, you know, since at least uh, in more more recent times, actually. We've had ancient ones, too, with the Phoenicians, but, but the more recent ones with the the British East India Company, and if you go into the foundations of that, they understood the system very, very well. So corporations really rule the world, and they always have done. And they're often in beds with government, if not completely owning them outright, and the members go back and forth, uh, just like revolving chairs, into the corporation CEO seat and back to the captain of the country seat. So uh, it's quite interesting to go through it, because they do write about it, the big boys themselves, in their own books. You can buy them or get them second-hand. Memoirs are fantastic, very boring, but that's when they tell you what their big plans are for all of us and how they have to con the public at every step because the public would never go along with the big agenda, obviously. It's like sterilization. Who's going to go forward for it to be a volunteer? But therefore, they're having world meetings. And if they're having world meetings, it means they want to go ahead and do it. If you're not going to volunteer, they're going to do it anyway, obviously. That's how you just, that's like herd management. That's what they call it at the top. Herd management. So, help yourself to the free audios, and I'll give you an idea of what appears to be craziness in your time, but it's not craziness at all. It's all planned that way. And, and by the way, nothing is out of hand. Sometimes you think that you're, something's getting out of hand or they're losing control. Nothing is further from the truth. Uh, now, you can also support me and keep me going by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use, remember, personal checks or international postal money orders from your post offices, as long as you have them. I hear they're closing them down very quickly, an awful lot of them. And some people send cash, and others use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal is fine. And what I do really is simply go through the histories of these big organizations, these big cabals that set themselves up a long time ago. And it was only quite natural that eventually those that already already ran central banking for countries got together and envisaged a world where central banks across the world would form one big cabal. And that did happen under the Bank for International Settlements. Professor Carl Quigley goes through that in quite some detail because that's to be the big stick for this whole world order. It already is, actually. And the muscle man to get the cash back from loans is the International Monetary Fund. So, as I say, we're, we're just cattle, you see, and we work and we pay all our taxes so the big boys can get bailed out or they can get their new pro- uh, projects built across the world. That's called redistribution of your wealth. They take it from you by law or they bash your heads in, 
and uh, then they give it to their corporations across the world that they've set up in third world countries. And that's what they call free trade, by the way, and most favored nation trading status. An idea dreamed up a long time ago, about the same time as the British East India Company, and uh, you find that uh, John Dee and Francis Bacon were advocates of this British system, as he called it, of international free trade. But the thing was that every country who signed on would have to adopt the British system of government, which is not democracy, by the way. So, as I say, work your way through those audios and you should start to see the sun shining eventually underneath, underneath all the chemical spraying that's going on. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix. I always laugh, I laugh, I always have a little, a little giggle to myself sometimes to do with the way that PR comes across to the public because as mentioned many times before, lots of uh, government articles are hand, handed out or just sent off, emailed to the newspapers that put them right in as they, as they stand, no commentary, nothing. And they're, they're basically PR, and you have to read them because whenever you see something sounding nicey-nicey from government, you should always get the hackles in the back of your, your hair standing up because it doesn't work that way. We have different realities, you understand. What government exists for is, is not what you think it's for, and it never was. Honestly, it never was. And it takes a lot of people, a lot of getting over their indoctrination to break free of all the symbolism and the patriotism and all the other isms that's handed down to you, mainly through fiction and Hollywood and movies and things like that. Because at the end of the day, all you have to see is who benefits from anything. And if it's always the same crowd, then something's wrong with the system. And it's not your system, you see, it's theirs. That's just how it's as simple as I can actually make it. But anyway... There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's definitely, uh, I would say it's above a class war system. It's above classes altogether. It's blended now with academia and professors galore of all different persuasions. And they, they literally are, are all combined together, exactly as Aldous Huxley and Julian Huxley said would happen as they brought the sciences in with the dominant minority. That's the ultra elite that run the world. They own all the big corporations. And... We try, and our television, of course, is nothing but a distraction to get you away from reality into a fictional world, which once again makes you think it's just blundering through time, this old world, and nothing's directing anything in your lives. Things just happen. And that keeps you stuck in that, that reality that things just happen out the blue. But nothing does. Governments have uh, the same CEOs, actually. They've just left one big corporation into another. That's all the government is, is a corporation. And, um, and they tend to run it the same way. They always look down 50 years, 100 years down the roads, 150 years down the road, and all social areas, including population management, how they want to reduce it to a certain quota for this region of the planet, according to the United Nations, and that region and all the rest of it. 
And as they, as they also have big plans for deindustrialization, what's left of your industry, if you have any at all, um, they also have plans for what to do with the population uh, that will survive the last population, basically. Should they be there? Should they be moved? Should they be brought down? It's just like, just like herd management with any other animal. Very simple. There's, there's nothing difficult about that. And... Um, He's, a, he's an article here and uh, how they put a hands out to the media. It's British Columbia and Canada. It says, paves the way for all-in-one identity card. The idea to, is, is to start out as more secure. Care card. Care is a nice positive thing. Fuzzy, you know, care. Care is nice. And it says, the BC government is moving forward with plans for high-tech identity cards that will one day let people access a host of provincial services on the Internet. So it's going to let you access services on the internet. Services should not be mandatory, you understand. It's the same with all... Remember what Lenin said? He says we shall start in the West a whole range of services, like police services and healthcare services and social work services. No, 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 no. It goes until they become authorities. And they do become authorities. Even though there's still this strange... It's like forcing someone to belong to a religion. That's what it's like, isn't it? Anyway, the province intends to sign a $20 million six-year deal with Toronto-based SecureKey. And I'd love to know, I'll have to check into them to find out who's been lobbying the government and who's going to get all the big payoffs. To provide card reader technology, the government says, it's the latest in a series of new laws and contracts that have that pave the way for expanded government internet services. The cards may one be used to access government websites for electronic health records. They, they do that already without the cards. Prescription histories, age verification, driver's license details, electronic voting, and school registration for children. This is your whole life on a card here, as we mentioned about 10 years ago. This is here. You know. Currently, you have to visit a government office in person and show appropriate ID to access such services. That's if you lasso a civil servant. Health Minister Mike de Jong announced last May the government was developing new care cards with improved security features to combat the millions of dollars lost to health insurance fraud. Do you understand they can put you in chains and manacles under keeping you safe or to stop fraud? And, and once you're all in, under manacles, they'll say, see, we'll stop it. Or they'll say, well, what happens? It's all coming in. We don't know from where. It's the same idea, though, as safety, isn't it? Same, same con. The cars should be available in November and will roll out over the next five years. There's no public input into anything in these wonderful democracies, you'll notice. It's only between the lobbyists and the government. They'll be free, or free, you must want to get it in, free, and, and mandatory. Isn't that a beautiful phrase there? They'll be free and mandatory for this service, you understand. For all British Columbians requiring millions of people to re-enroll in the healthcare system, and basically everything, your driving license, date of birth, any medical problems, all that stuff, the whole history is on the card. That should not be done. The project is expected to cost the government about, that's the taxpayer by the way, about $150 million. At the start of the thing up top it says about a $20 million contract, eh, six year. Here it says $150 million, and it'll be double that by the time I finish. That's how all these projects work out. People will also have the option of combining their new care card and driver's license into one BC services card. The new government cards will have um, embedded security strips or chips similar to certain credit cards that allow customers to wirelessly make purchases by touching or waving their credit cards in front of a terminal. 
I used to think folk were having seizures when I saw them doing that. Now I know what they're doing. And it says, A government's contract with SecureKey will develop BC card readers, key-sized devices that plug into a computer's USB port. You see where it's all going, folks? I hope you understand where it's all going. Oh, they'd never do that. <laughs> That's so, I've heard this all my life. People tap their new care card or service card into SecureKey reader and enter a PIN number on a government website to authenticate their identity. It says, there won't be any online government services available when the cards launch in November. The province has proposed a rollout of uh, features from different ministries over the next five years. That's different government departments. It says it will directly award SecureKey a contract because the company already holds a contract with the federal government and the province wants its system to be compatible with Canada's service. So this is going to be Canada-wide, to understand. And you always get something from the critics, like the NDP party. So the Liberal government has a dismal track record on protecting privacy and should have asked for other bids. I know some pretty good roofers, but I'd still get three quotes on a roof. He said, it'd still be prudent to put this out there for competition. Well, that won't happen. It's a done deal, obviously. And there remains many privacy questions about, you know, they used to argue in Canada about all your information going into one computer in Ottawa. They tried this years ago. And uh, there's a big hullabaloo in the papers about it. And it says no one should be able to have that kind of much power by going into any citizen's life across the whole country in real time and finding out their medical history and, and, and account history, banks, all the rest of it. So what they did then was split it into two. Okay, we'll put it, we'll put two computers there in the room instead. I'm not kidding you, and the folk went back to sleep. And they always you know, howl and wail when things go awry, and, and they wonder why it happened. Now, here's an, art, an article on the same company, Secure Key Technologies, Inc., to power the government of Canada's new online authentication service. So, again, it's it's going the whole way. It's use of bank-issued credentials from TD Bank Group, Scotiabank, and BMO Financial Group will enable secure, convenient access to online government services. So here's the banks in bed with your governments, which they always were, uh, and, and sharing the same data about you. It says, Toronto-based Secure Key Technologies Inc. announced that it's been awarded a contract by the Government of Canada to provide an innovative credential broker service that will allow Canadians to use their bank authentication credentials to obtain access to online government services. So he's a different spin, but the same marketing company, no doubt, uh, to the public. To ensure privacy protection, users of the CBS will authenticate through their bank but neither their login credentials nor their identity of their bank will be shared with the government of Canada. <laughs> does it say? Does it say promise on it? No. Does it have a, a signature anywhere? No. Never does, eh? Similarly, no information about the government service being accessed by the user will be shared with the user's bank. <laughs> These are the only times I get a laugh at the papers, as if in a good joke like this. The new service is part of the government of Canada's cyber authentication. Authentication Renewal Initiative and leverages Secure Key's authentication solutions, which enable banks, credit card issuers, governments and healthcare providers to extend the security capabilities of chip-based payments and identity cards to their mobile and online offerings. So this is how they're bringing in your ID, your, your national and international ID, folks, if you haven't caught on. 
And then you, you get the PR again. It says, oh, we are thrilled to have been selected, says a company, through a competitive process. No, it was only given out to them. Eh? There was no, no bidders. By the Government of Canada, provide this unique service, said Security Technologies Inc. CEO Greg Wolfond. This partnership between government and industry lays a foundation for an ecosystem, or oh, as a fuzzy word, that will offer increased choice and ease of use for consumers and businesses accessing secure online services. So once all the crews get a hold of this stuff, folks, you know, you as well as just throwing your computers out the window because it's got everything about you on it. Management of security credentials is a constant challenge for online government services which are used periodically, like very, very infrequently, as website-specific user IDs and passwords are often forgotten. That's because if you access it at all, it's just so interesting to see what it's all about, and then you never use it again. Secure Key's new authentication service will allow consumers to access government services using their online banking login credentials. You want to share that with the government? Or if offered by their bank, by tapping their bank-issued chip card on one of Secure Key's USB card readers. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about the way that things are marketed to us, which are really simply orders from government. And under fascism, of course, you, governments and corporations are in bed together. That's what, that's what fascism means. But really all systems have always been fascistic in nature, even communism, the type that had in the Soviet Union, with, with a, a small elite at the top and then their children take over the same positions and it goes on for generations. And, and so it always ends up being the same system of the bunch at the top being terrified of the bunch below. And at the same time, trying to grab more and more either labor or money from them, which works out to be the same thing in actuality. But um, it's an ongoing agenda, and you have to understand that too. And rather than just come out and say, new ID card for all Canadians, they have to put it through all their partners, the partners, the bankers, see? the guys who really own us, you see, because that's how it really is. Now, here's an article, too, by What's Up With That. It says, Rio Plus 20, that's the Rio meeting, where if you think it was bad enough with Agenda 21, the Millennium Project, and all the rest of it, uh, which you see Rio Part 2, because this is this is coming up this year. And June, I think it is, with Mr. Maurice Strong, frontman for Rockefellers and all the other groups behind him. And, uh, and they're really going to hammer us all with, with carbon taxes and probably breathing taxes and all kinds of weird taxes, to save the planet, understand, which somehow God gave them the responsibility of being in charge of. But um, it says, Rio Plus 20 meets Agenda 21. And it says, well, the rent-seekers, money-hungry NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that is, grifters, post-normal scientists, con men, Eurotrash, Ameritrash, and the usual camp followers are gearing up for another monumental waste of money. This time it's for the upcoming extravagarbonanza, uh, I guess I mean, the new Rio Plus 20 climate carnival, it says. It says, uh, uh, <laughs> it says the logo of the Rio Plus 20 climate carnival features someone being drowned in uh, waves of green nonsense. <laughs> the meeting features the usual uh, dangerous baffle gab, which conceals wholesale theft under layers of rhetoric like this. 
integrate the three pillars of sustainable development and promote the implementation of Agenda 21 and related outcomes, consistent with the principles of universality, democracy, transparency, cost-effectiveness and accountability, keeping in mind the real principles, in particular common but differentiated responsibilities, it says here. And that's the kind of trash that they're talking about. As is typical with this kind of mealy-mouth official doublespeak, we need a translation to see who is getting fleeced and how. It says, first, what are the three pillars of sustainable development? Turns out no one knows. One source gives us this. The three pillars of sustainable development are, or not, it says. (laughs) So they don't have it. That all seems good, or at least as though it might possibly be vaguely meaningful. But another source gives us this. The three pillars of sustainable development, and then it says, Nothing really, again. In other words, it's just feel-good bullpuckies. It's dressed up to look like something real, viable, bearable nonsense. This is post-normal science at its most pathetic. At the end of the day, nothing is sustainable. That's just greenwashing. Next, they say that they want to promote the implementation of Agenda 21. Now, Agenda 21 was what started all of this nonsense. It was adopted at the original Rio conference in 1992 and is as dangerous now as it was then. The dangers highlighted by the recent meeting at the United Nations Chief Secretary General Ban Ki-moon with his UN AIDS brainstorming, supposedly, about Rio Plus 20. They talk about moving towards a fairer, greener and more sustainable globalization, a very frightening thought. They talk about strengthening the UN to manage the process of globalization better. Another scary idea, I don't want globalization of any kind, and if I did, I'm damn sure I don't want the United Nations involved in any way. To return to Agenda 21, let me take up just one tiny portion of the agenda. It says, in passing, I doubt that they could have invented a more Orwellian name for this plan to take over the world's economy than Agenda 21. And, it says, and then they give you sections, links to uh, Agenda 21. And it says, cooperate in research to develop mythologies, methodologies and identify threshold levels at atmospheric pollutants as well as atmospheric levels of greenhouse gas concentrations that would cause dangerous anthropogenic interference with the climate system and the environment as a whole and associated rules of, uh, of change that would not allow ecosystems to adapt naturally. Then he goes on and on to explain it all. But you've got to understand, unless you wade through this stuff, you have to wade through this stuff. There's thousands of pages and all this stuff. Unless you wade through it, you will not know where you're going. All you'll do for the rest of your lives is argue every day about the latest news that's meant you to argue and get all emotional and say, oh, look what they're trying to do to us now. You will never understand that whatever's happening now was planned years and years, often before you were born, to happen now. No kidding. That's how it really is. And that's how folks, folks really are. Most of them who think they're, they're awake, they're simply reacting by the day, by the media handouts that we argue about. But you go through this stuff, which is available online. You can go through all this stuff, Agenda 21 and, and the Rio Summit, the first one, the first Rio Earth Summit, and Rio Plus 20. And the United Nations got a whole bunch of rubbish on their websites about it, the upcoming uh, Rio Plus 20 as well. And they're preparing all these armies. These, you know, if you want to see mass unemployment, just fire all these armies of NGOs because there's millions of them. I'm not kidding you. I think it's the only thing keeping the economy going. Anyway, another article here too about the same kind of thing, similar thing, and it's about climate realists. And uh, it's quite an interesting article 
as different professors take on the other professors to do with so-called climate change. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. This article is, is uh, it's got Lord Moncton in it, and it says, uh, Yesterday I had the pleasure of chairing a PAC meeting in the Palace of Westminster, and he says, um, at which Professor Richard Lindzen of MIT spoke even more brilliantly than usual on global warming and engagingly answered many questions from parliamentarians and the public. Afterwards, he went to the brief a cabinet minister, that's a politician who shall be nameless, but he's a good egg and privately regards catastrophic man-made global warming as nonsense. The minister indicated in effect and with scarcely concealed regret that the party line set by David Cameron in response to various opinion polls, focus groups and other such artifices for identifying and following a consensus rather than, a, than a setting a lead and not the, the objective scientific and economic truth was likely to remain the basis of UK climate policy. In other words, UK climate policy is, is going to head for its carbon taxes and everything else because, you see, uh, all the questions were based on um, emotions. How would you feel about global war? How would you feel about... You know, and that's what they used in the supposed focus groups uh, to get an opinion to go ahead. It says, in reality, orders issued to our elected nominal government by the hated unelected commissars of the EU are true government who have exclusively, uh, exclusive competence to decide and dictate the UK's environment and climate policies are and will remain the basis of UK climate policy, regardless of what or whether Cameron and his vapid focus groups think if think is the right word. Now, I think they should just get on with it themselves, because years ago I spoke about the integration of Europe under this massive uh, leviathan of a parliament, this European parliament, and I went through a lot of its articles. It was not to be democratic, uh, and it would be run by the top by a secretive bunch at the top, which it is. And people put up with this. I mean, you can't help people, can you? When you tell them and tell them, and, and it happens, and they just sit there and, you know, kind of moo and shuffle their feet. and You, you really can't help, help people. And then they go through the same farce every, every few years of voting for a national government, which isn't national anymore. You're not national anymore. The whole idea is about internationalism. Remember Karl Marx, three trading blocs? United Europe, United Americas, then the Far Eastern law. Well, that's all here. And again, Quigley, Professor Quigley went through all of that too in his Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. They had many front groups for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Institute for Pacific Studies, and a whole bunch of these fronts, all, all members of the same group, to working for the last hundred years to integrate Australia, New Zealand, and a whole bunch of little countries in with China and so on, and, and Japan too. But it doesn't matter, does it? It really doesn't matter. Because these guys, what I'm saying is, these guys tell you something uh, and they have these international meetings and they project something. They, they make it happen. They don't change their minds on anything. And they took all the power in the world because all we can do is kind of grumble, isn't it? We, we grumble once in a while about things. 
So anyway, I'll put this link up tonight too, uh, and if you read that for those who still want to read about uh, uh, Moncton and his friend from MIT and what they say. There's also a video to go with it too. If I can find it again, I'll put that up as well. And another thing that's is happening too, all these, again, services that came into being, these non-profit services, little, like little charity organizations that are now authorities, like Children's Aid and, and, and Social Work and so on, that uh, Lenin talked about, are, are really going to town. I think they all have their own SWAT teams and everything now as well. And, and even the, the television has lots of series on them in Britain, that kind of thing, just like the SWAT teams and stuff. You know, that's children's aid type time, and you see them all going in and battering rams and stuff like that. Just to get you used to the whole idea. Because that's how we get familiarized with, with, with reality is through fiction. But the fiction comes first, then they hit you with reality, and, and then you're in a double, your double mindedness. You, you can't tell the difference. You think it's normal. Mother could face jail because her children talked to each other on Facebook. This is what all things are coming down to. Remember I said years ago, and, and this was also parroted again by many people, including H.G. Wells, that have, after the League of Nations the declarations was signed, that's a precursor to the United Nations, and he said that, that our, our whole intention is to destroy the family unit, all friends around the people, so that when the government comes to speak to you, down to you personally, there's no one to stand up for you. Then government will be able to do things properly, he says. He was all for this system. He's a mouthpiece for it. And that's what you have to do, isn't it? To separate the families, and now they can't even, they're spying them to see if they still talk to each other. Oh, what a crime. What a crime, eh? The banks have, have, have bankrupted continent after continent. Your, what you think is your governments, which are obviously not, took all your tax money and gave the big banks presence of all your money. Huh? To serve the people? Eh, what? What? But we're people. Of course, you're not really people. You're part of the herd. And that's how they joke about it at the top, by the way, in their common parlance. Anyway, mother could face jail. The case would make headlines across the land if it were not hidden behind the family court's extraordinary wall of secrecy. And why is there any secrecy at all in these courts? The people have no say at all. Exactly what H.G. Wells wanted. And he was a mouthpiece for the Milner Group and the Fabian Society. They became the Royal Institute of International Affairs. The Fabian, the Fabian Wing is only one branch with a special purpose. They all have their own specialized areas. Anyway, this is more children than ever have been taken into care while the number adopted keeps falling. The real scandal for care system is still overlooked. And it says the misery of these teenage children is concealed behind a wall of legal secrecy. No, it's called democracy. Democracy is, please, can we have the, the information? You can't have that, lad. Off you go. Sometimes this week it says in a case which promises to make legal history, a mother may be sent to prison, apparently because her teenage children, two of whom are in foster care for reasons which I'm told had nothing to do with her treatment of them, it was a local gang apparently in the, in the street that was born everybody, had been chatting to each other on Facebook. This landmark case, well he is the only guys that profit with, with, every, with, with the, what they call progress. It's lawyers, eh? It's obviously another tier of lawyers going into it. It says, it says much about the surreal state for a family protection system arose from a judicial order last year when the mother, that, that the mother must not talk to her children on Facebook even though, uh, even through a third party. 
The two girls were taken to care a few years back for their own protection, I'm told, not because of any actions of the mothers, but because the safety had been threatened by members of a gang on the inner city's council estate where they lived. After being sent to a foster home in another part of the country, they eventually managed to make contact through Facebook with, with their brothers and a cousin, all of whom are still living with their mothers, their mother in the family home. Uh, once contact had been established between the younger members of the family, and, and the mother joined in until this, until this came to the notice of social workers in the city where the family originally lived. This led to the judge's order last year that the mother must have no further contact with her daughters, an order which she obeyed, even though her girls had repeatedly been told that she no longer loved them. That's your, that's your, that's your social work departments for you. You know, an arm in your governments again. Thanks to what they'd been told by their brothers on Facebook, they knew this to be untrue. The children, however, continued to chat to each other, and this was picked up by social workers who were monitoring their exchanges on Facebook. So now we're getting spied on by social workers. Social workers are spying on people. This has led to the mother being summoned to attend a family court in a city a hundred miles away from where they now live, under threat of imprisonment for, for breaching the court order. If the judge sentences the mother, it will have a hugely detrimental effect on the lives of the three children who live with her. Her two sons have already had enough disturbances to their lives, having themselves spent time unhappily in care, again for reasons which I'm told have nothing to do with their mother's treatment of them, but with the behavior of an outlong absent partner. They were eventually allowed by the social workers and courts to return to live with her, as was their cousin, who has also been in care. So, this is what government is into. It's, it's all, all the stuff. That, this is Gestapo. It's beyond Gestapo. It's beyond Stasi. But everyone puts up with it because, well, it's not happened to me and, and it's not happened to my children. And, and that's why this kind of stuff can be done and can, and can keep continuing until it disaffects everyone. It's just disgusting what people put up with. It really is. And we're all paying for it. Our taxes pay for all of it. And I'll put this link up. And all these links actually I'll put up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the broadcast. Now, this report comes out every year. It says London is no safer for all its CCTV cameras. The civil rights group Big Brother Watch has accused Britain of having an out-of-control surveillance culture that's doing little to improve public safety. It was never meant to improve public safety. It's all they spy on all of you. That's all. So it says, uh, says um, security personnel monitor closed circuit televisions and blah, 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 uh, and the new uh, central command complex at New Scotland Yard. And it says, um, London is considered the most spied on city in the world, courtesy of ubiquitous CCTV cameras. Purportedly, there is to, that they're there to reduce crime. But according to a recent report, there's been little or no change in London's crime rate since they were more widely installed in the mid-1980s. It says privacy activists are worried that Britain will become the bleak totalitarian society, but it already is. That George Orwell painted in his classic novel 1984, where citizens were spied on and personal freedom sacrificed for the benefit of an all-powerful state. Well, that's all here, isn't it? It's all here. It says, we were sleepwalking into a surveillance society. We were watched from control rooms by anonymous people, says Emma Carr of the BBW. 
the worrying thing is that we don't actually know how many CTTV cameras are out there altogether. In a report released this week, Civil Rights Pressure Group Big Brother Watch revealed that local uh, councils spent £515 million, about £807 million, uh, on new cameras over the past four years, the equivalent of 4,121 police officers. Birmingham, England's uh, second most populous city, has spent the most at £14.3 million and £22 million over the past uh, four years, followed by Westminster and Leeds, and it gives you how much money they've spent on it. BBW estimates there are now some 51,000 police-run cameras watching British citizens in urban areas, not including private cameras or cameras situated in other public buildings like train stations or bus depots. A common figure cited is a total of 4.2 million cameras across Britain, and it says, actually, later on it says, the figure is closer to 1.85 million. And the civil rights group Liberty estimates that the average Londoners capture and camera around 300 times a day, while BBW claims Britain has 20% of the world's CCTV cameras and only 1% of the world's population. There's a perception that cameras reduce crime. There's no evidence for that, said the activists. The Met Police have said that in 2008, only one crime was solved for every 1,000 CCTV cameras. And that's generally after hours pubs and somebody getting a, getting a booting, as they call it. So anyway... It's nothing to do with that. So what they do is they also, as they're watching you, they monitor you, and you're on your phone, and then they tap into that and listen to it too. They've got everything there. It's all part of a big, a, a big project, like a, a lab project, in a sense, for an even more horrific future. That's what it's for. And it's things that are so matriarchal in the schools now, and it really are. I, I get letters from teachers, and uh, male and female, and it's a, a really, it's a feminist system in there, and it's very PC, of course. That's why it was designed to be uh, run that way, to be politically correct. And this happened in Canada recently, too. I'm sure everybody's heard about it, and it says, Daddy, are you mad at me? These were the first words out of the mouth of a scared little girl to her father when he was released this week after being charged with possession of a firearm because of a picture she drew at school of a man holding a gun, which turned out to be a toy. Have you seen how many guns they see on television? You can't watch anything. There's, there's always some cop in some black outfit drawing a gun at somebody's head in every, every two or three seconds. Huh? You never get the teachers mentioning that, do you? Don't you think that's weird? Don't you think that's a bit odd? They don't mention where all this, this comes from. On Wednesday, police in Waterloo, Ontario, arrested Jesse Sanson, 26, a resident of nearby Kitchener, when a teacher at his daughter's school voiced concern over the drawing. Inspector Kevin Taller of Waterloo Regional Police told the media. The school contacted Family and Children's Services. Here they go again. called services with their authorities, uh, which then called police, Taller said. During questioning, Taller said the child, along with her siblings, provided police with a detailed description of a gun that was stored in the home and was accessed by the children. The children were scared, Tara said. It's a four-year-old that we're, talking, we're taking the information from. Well, that should be a clue. But the fact is that this disclosure was very descriptive and very alarming to the officers investigating this. As I say, how many times have they seen guns on television? Every darn night of the week, eh? Huh? It was a typical day for a Sansone who had no idea when he arrived at Forest Hill School to pick up his children, including four-year-old daughter Neva, that three police officers were waiting to arrest him. It's just amazing. So it's, you know, it's a drawing gets you arrested. 
a drawing gets you arrested. Not inquiry, no, arrest. Informed he was under arrest for possession of a firearm. There must be used psychic forces or something too, eh? Because I hadn't gotten the whole ship. Sanson said he'd never was told the details of why he was being arrested. Uh, the officer's concern was the need to secure and locate the firearm, he explained. He sat in a police cell, Sanson said officers took his wife, Stephanie, who's pregnant, and his four children, to the station for more questioning. I wonder if the water boarded them too. At some point during the investigation, police became aware that the gun was a toy pistol. And I tell you, it tells their IQ. At, at some time during the investigation, police became aware. At some time. Maybe hours passed, right? Because it was transparent, you know. It was a toy plastic war pistol. That was confirmed when they found it in the family's home later that day. Well, why shouldn't they have asked to go into the home first? Or get a warrant or something? Before you go and harass a whole darn family and make them a spectacle in front of all their neighbours and everything else and the school. But you see, this is the, this is, it's not just the, the citizenry has been trained by all these fictional accounts on television. Here come the SWAT teams, oh, bow down and lie down, you know. It's the cops too, they've grown up with this stuff. And they, they start to believe the myth that the, the TV is creating. That they can do whatever they want. This is the child had every belief it was real, said Taller, a four-year-old, right? The indication from the children was that it was Dad's gun. Samson denied that his children thought the gun was real or belonged to him. It's a toy pistol, he says. It's completely transparent. It doesn't even resemble a real gun at all. So police released Samson about four years later. Four four years, sorry. It probably will be in the future. Four hours later, Taller said. Uh, The first thing my daughter said when I saw her was, Daddy, are you mad at me? Sanson said, that sums it up to me. So his name's been slandered by the incident. He said, he said he was upset with how the authorities involved handled it. I'd say, I'd say, that's a new one on me, eh? just arresting folk for on hearsay or some, a drawing. And no investigation beforehand. Back with more after this break. But get used to it, there's more to come. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and time is flying and we're right on to the callers. Now it's Carlton in New York. Are you there, Carlton? How you doing, Mr. Watt? Um, <laughs> hanging in here. That's what's up. Um, and a couple of things. Um, you talked about how the Lennon said the services will become authorities and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, I know you always say you shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Press the issue with folks that don't really ask questions about the system they live in, but I'm not going to lie. I tend to shove it down people's throat to a certain extent, but uh, a female friend of mine actually um, was telling me about the stuff that she's dealing with with her son in school as far as, well, for one, she had her son on, I forget, one of them type of psychotropic drugs, basically to calm the child down, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And one day her son out the blue just said, Ma, I don't want to take this mess no more. And she took it all, took him off it. And the day, the first day she did, the uh, teachers called her hysterically talking about he was going crazy in school. When she gets to school to pick him up, everything was fine. 
The teacher actually called her doctor and had him have a, uh, they had to go to the doctor and have a meeting with the doctor. And surprisingly, the doctor actually agreed with the mother and said, don't give him, don't give him the, <laughs> the, um, the medicine anymore. Yeah. But just to say that, you know, I guess there are some, and she actually, the doctor actually said, yes, they want your child drugged. That was what got me. And then now the girl is starting to see all the things that I've shoveled down the throat to be for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's absolutely true. We, and people forget, too, it becomes so commonplace that you stop asking what, is, what they're actually using. It's amphetamine. It's speed they're given children. They're given children speed on some, some guy's theory that speed will, will stop hyperactive behavior in children. So so to stop hyperactivity, we'll give them amphetamine, which you give pilots to stay awake four hours on a trot. I mean, that's what you use. So it's all mumbo-jumbo, but a great uh, marketing campaign and, and lobbying by, by Big Pharma to drug almost everybody, uh, every young child, basically, especially the males, and uh, and anybody with uh, a, a, the ability to be a leader and communicate things to others, they're, they're just eradicating. And that last poll I mentioned last week says that the United States now, because of all the drugging, they think, has, has, has a more uniform society with less people uh, taking leadership positions uh, on behalf of the people. Yeah. So it's working. Yeah. I say that all the time, man. I was like... Now, you can say what you want about the different leaders of the 60s and the 70s and the 50s and things of that nature, but you haven't had any of that since no. then. And no. I'm, I always say to myself, I'm like, what happened? Yep. <laughs> like, That's right. Aside from that, real quick, because I want to get off the line and let other callers get in, but I wanted to get your um, thoughts on sovereignty movements, like various sovereignty movements. You have sovereignty movements that stem for just... Mm-hmm. You know, I guess you say white folks, some that are more African-American centric, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, centered. but what are your thoughts on the sovereignty movement and how, like, really they try to say that, like, the, the, the government comes up with a corporate you and that's why your name and all bills and all that is in all caps and all that. At the end of the day, uh, here's the problem, at the, an- at the end of the day, those who have the power get their way. And uh, at the top, if you've noticed over the last 10, 20 years, the governments haven't been following any rules laid down at all. Uh, they just go to war, plunder other countries and do what they want. So I, I think even some of the videos I've put up before uh, uh, to do with uh, the system itself and those controls, say it all, they say it all. Uh, that We can debate all we want at the bottom level, but the fact is they'll never give you They'll never shave power with you. You're the only source of income there is for, for those at the top. And that's never changed. Look at the taxes, etc. But thanks for calling. From Hamish from Seattle, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. Be your God, your God, school with you. <laughs>